0: God you're just so wonderful you just bless us in so many ways and you encourage us to uh, put our troubles on the altars our altar and our issues our concerns just lay them at the foot of the cross and so God we thank you for that blessed privilege now father we pray that you would speak to us bless the proclamation the preparation of your word may it change hearts and minds may you be glorified your people blessed in Jesus name amen Back in the early 1980s, when I was uh, in the seminary studying for ministry, I had an Old Testament instructor by the name of Dr. Lester T. Whitelock. And he taught us or encouraged us, it was a part of the curriculum, to learn a benediction. And we had to learn it uh, so that we would be able to quote it and we, he might begin the class with it. Or at the end of the class, he might say, Okay. Uh, Mr. Pickett let's hear this benediction let's hear the benediction and so one of the benedictions he taught us was the benediction from Jude 24 and 25 and I still remember it I've used it all of these years now unto him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly great joy to the only wise God be glory and majesty dominion and power now and forevermore Amen. And I'm so grateful to Dr. L.T. Whitelock for challenging us to remember that benediction because it, it, it not only it's not only good to have a benediction in your heart when you have worship. But that benediction has ministered to my life all of these years since the early 1980s. And so from this text, I want to preach from the subject transforming truths for trouble in times. Uh, that's what Jude presents to us. Jude presents to us some transforming truths for troubling times. It's no secret that we are living in troubling times. It's no secret. Uh, there are political troubles. There are economic troubles. There are uh, social troubles. Uh, and, and not only that, there are even religious troubles. We're living in troubling Times Yet the good news is that God provides us some transforming truths in his word to help us overcome every obstacle the course of life places before us. And most of us have been alive long enough to know that life, the course of life, will place obstacles before us. Now... Transforming truths, what are they? Transforming truths are teachings. They are concepts. They are ideas. They are principles. They are practices found in the inerrant Word of God that alters, changes, sometimes cl- completely rearranges how we think. And how we live. That's what a transforming truth does. That's what the word of God does. It changes how we think. It changes how we act. It even changes how we live. The word of God, when we take it in, will completely rearrange how we view life. And even how we view problems and issues and concerns. Now realistically, the the waters of life upon which we all tread, are turbulent. But in the midst of it all stands a God who has always, get this, a God who has always taken care of and provided for his own. There has never been a time in the history that God has not taken care of his people, where God has not provided for his people. And since God is the same yesterday, today, Tomorrow, and forevermore, there is no justifiable rationale for children of God to fear, to faint, to falter, or even fall. There's just no justifiable reason at all why anyone who is trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there's no reason, no justifiable reason For us to fall, faint, fear, or falter because of trouble in the land. And the transforming truth I want to share today specifically is found in the book of Jude. Now, the author of the book of Jude generally has been accepted as the brother of James and the half-brother of Jesus. The book of Jude uses only, get this, 25 verses. There are only 25 verses in the book of Jude and three major themes to get the writer's message across to his audience. The first major theme in the book of Jude has to do with sin and the doom of godless men. Jude uses 17 verses of his book to identify sins among the people of God and to remind them that those who choose to willfully disobey God will not go unpunished. That's the first theme of The book of Jude, those first 17 uh, verses, he says that if you choose to disobey God, if you choose to live life your own way, if you choose to reject the principles and the practices and the policies and the precepts of God, of Jesus Christ, you will not go unpunished. He encourages the believers in Jesus Then to contend for the faith, to stand up for the faith, to stand up for what you know to be right. And then Jude goes on to to encourage Christians to bear in mind that wicked people with their wicked intents and wicked devices will face doom and destruction at Their appointed time. It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next week, next month, or next year. But Jude promises in the word of God that wicked people with wicked intents and wicked devices will face doom and destruction at God's appointed hour. The second major theme of the book of Jude is a call to persevere. In verses 17 to 22, Jude states, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, and who do not have the spirit. He says, But you, dear friends, Build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring to you eternal life. Jew goes on to say, "Be merciful to those who doubt, snatch others from the fire and save them, and to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the, the clothes in stain." By corrupted flesh. In his second major theme. Jude does not deny. The reality of dealing. With tough times. As well as tough people. He does not shy away. From the challenges. The conflicts. And confusions associated. With ministry setting. Or society at large. Yet he encourages the church. He encourages Christians. He encourages those who have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior to stay with the task of living for Jesus and stay with the task of witnessing for Jesus and leading people to Jesus Christ even in difficult times. Jude encourages the church. He encourages Christians to persevere through adversity. Jude would say, don't give up, don't give out, don't give in, perse- persevere through difficult times. Why? Because the Lord is with you. Yeah, right. The third major theme of the book of Jude is called the doxology. The doxology and is an expression of praise to God, usually sung in Christian worship As a short hymn. Jews doxology consists of verses twenty-four and twenty-five. The doxology that Dr. L. T. Whitelock had us learn years ago as young Bible students. Now unto him. Now unto God. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Another translation to keep you from. Falling. God is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory Amen. with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, that's Jesus, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore. Now it is from verses 24 and 25 of the book of Jude that I want to share just several transforming truths. For a troubling time. Several things that ought to change the way we look at difficulties ought to change the way we look at and even respond to the challenges that we face in life. The first transforming truth is this. We can stand firmly upon the ability of God. That ought to be a transformative truth. That ought to change your mind. That, that we can stand firm. That is, we can rest secure in the ability of God. When Jude wrote verse 24 wrote in verse 24, now unto him who is able, he made a profound proclamation about God's capability. You see, the message Jude conveyed to the people of his day as well as the message that is conveyed to us through the text is that God is capable. God is competent. And God is concerned enough to handle everything that life brings Our way that ought to be a transforming truth that no matter what life brings your way, God is capable of dealing with it and helping you deal with it. Jews words tell us that God's ability is unconstrained. It can't be held back. God's ability is uncontained. It won't be hindered or hampered or halted. God's ability is unrestricted. There, is no, there are no limits on God's ability to help you. Humans have limitations. The pastor is limited in terms of what he can do to help you. The deacons are limited in terms of what they can do to provide relief, but not God. God is unlimited. God's ability is unobstructed, that is, there's nothing and no one can get in the way of God's ability to to help you when God wants to help you, he can do it and nothing can get in his way. If God wants you to have a promotion, he can give it to you and nothing can obstruct it. If God wants you to be healed, he can heal you and nothing can get in the way of that healing. God's ability is, is unhampered. It's It's free to roam and to go wherever it wants to go and to do whatever God wills for it to do. He said, the word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me void, but will accomplish all that I sent it out to do. Well, how can such possibly be the case? Well, first of all, God is omnipotent. That means that he has all power. He is the sovereign ruler of the universe. And then God is omniscient. He is all wise. He knows everything. And then God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. He saturates and dominates time and space. In other words, God's ability is in a class all by itself. Should we pause long enough? Should we meditate deeply enough and should we contemplate extensively enough on the ability of God, our whole way of processing and dealing with the trouble in this world would be transformed. Why? Because we would understand that no matter which way the wind blows, no matter which way the ball bounces, no matter which way the cookie crumbles, no matter which way the tide turns, it is well with our soul. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Romans 8:28, he says, "And we know as Christians, and we, and we know as those who follow Jesus Christ, and we know those who have put our trust in the finished work of Jesus on Calvary's cross, and we know that in all things, not some things, but all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Paul says, no matter how God chooses to work things out, those who place their trust in Jesus will always come out in the winner's circle. That's the reason why he can say in Philippians 1, 21, for me to live is Christ yeah. and to die is gain. Paul says because of God, no matter which way it works out, I win. Right. Right. That's right. Christians ought to, we ought to hold our heads up high because of the ability of God, knowing that no matter which, whichever way it works out, we win. The second transforming truth from the text is we as believers in Jesus can rest securely in the reality that God is our keeper. Jude says in verse 24, now unto him who is able, get this word, get this word, to keep you. Do you see that in text? Now unto him who is able to keep you, keep you from falling You you see, the issue that Jude brings to light is is, is that we can't keep ourselves. And other people can't keep us. We place our trust in a lot of people, don't we? Sometimes we place our trust in politicians. Sometimes we place our trust in the military. Sometimes we place our trust in all of the experts that know everything about about everything. But the truth of the matter is, humanity cannot keep humanity. We cannot even keep ourselves. We need God. Oh, to be sure, we can better ourselves. We can help ourselves. We can enhance ourselves, we can improve ourselves, but we cannot keep ourselves. Only God can keep us. He keeps us safe from our adversary, the devil, who goes to and fro looking for those he might devour. He keeps us protected from the enemy of our souls, whose primary objective, as John 10.10 points out, is to steal, kill, and destroy. He keeps us safe from our enemies who would rather see us go down rather than come up, who would rather see us fall than rise, and who would rather see us fail than succeed. He keeps us safe. He keeps us safe from ourselves. He keeps us safe from others. When we, and, and, and when we get besides ourselves, too full of ourselves, and when we get to thinking that it's all about me, God has a way of keeping us in check, bringing us to our senses and loving us into submission so that we will not self-destruct. You know, we would do well to start each day by asking God to just keep me. We would just do well just to get up in the morning and the first thing, ask God, God, just keep me. I still remember back home at the Jehovah Missionary Baptist Church. Where I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, I would sit there as a as a as a little boy and just and just hear the older people who were going through so much. Uh, So many trying times, people that didn't have a whole lot, people who didn't have very much education and very much money, but they had a whole lot of faith in God. And as a little boy, I sat there Sunday after Sunday, and I listened to my grandfather, and I listened to the pastor, and I listened to the old saints of the church sing this song. Jesus, keep me. I remember it like yesterday, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There's a precious fountain, free to all, a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. They went on to say, in the cross, not in my bank account, in the cross, not in my political connections, in the cross, not in my social status, in the cross. Be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. God is our keeper. God is our bridge over troubled water. God is our shelter in times of storm. And based upon this transforming truth, Jude says he will never leave us nor forsake us. The third transforming truth of the text is that Jesus is our presenter. Have you ever been presented by anybody? I mean, has anybody ever introduced you as as a speaker? But, you know, not even as a speaker. Have you ever had a friend present you to somebody else? They say a lot of things about you. They say things about how how nice you are, and sometimes they talk about, you know, your education, and they talk about all these accolades about, you know, where you've been and all of your accomplishments and all these good things uh, about you. I've had a lot of introductions, and my wife is a great... Introducer of me. I, I love it when she introduces me. And you've had a lot of great introductions too. But there's one thing I've never heard anybody say about me or anybody else in an introduction. And I've, I've heard a lot of speakers, great speakers presented. I've never heard anybody say and now I present them faultless. Have you Notice the words of Jude in verse 24. Jude says, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. Before the presence of his glory with great joy. Jude says that Jesus will present you faultless. The word present in the text means that Jesus Christ is your advocate. He is the one who stands up for you and speaks out on your behalf. The one who presents you faultless before God. Now, this word advocate has three, has a three tense connotation. First, Jesus advocates, was our advocate in the past. Paul reminds us of this actuality in Romans 5 and 8, stating, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus advocates for us, advocated for us in our past. Secondly, Jesus advocates for us now, in the present. The Lord Jesus takes our case daily and pleads our cause daily. Before the father right now as I speak right now as we worship the father in spirit and in truth right now in this very moment Jesus is seated at the right hand of God making intercession for you and for me. Notice the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, 32 and 34. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen. Who is ever at the right hand of God doing what? Also making intercession for us, for you, and for me. Third, Jesus will be our advocate in the future. In that final hour, when we stand before God, the righteous judge. Pastor Joe prayed in his prayer, he talked about, prayed about after death, the judgment. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. After that, the judgment. When we stand before God, the righteous judge, Jesus, our advocate, get this, will present us to the Father. Not as the sinner that we are. Present us to the Father, not with all of the sins that we have committed. Jesus will present us to the Father, not with a laundry list of flops and failures and flounders. Jesus, our advocate, will present us to the Father without fault. Because he paid our sin debt in full. Back on Calvary cross so it is my brothers and sisters in Christ we are living in troubling times but you to have us recount recall reflect reiterate and remember now unto him who is able to keep you from falling And to present you faultless before his glory with exceedingly great joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. So after a hymn writer so eloquently penned, when he shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless, faultless, faultless to stand before the throne on Christ the solid rock. I stand on Christ the solid rock in 2016. Good hope stands. Oh Christ the Solid Rock in this postmodern era we stand all of the ground is sinking.